Amen. All right. Well, how many of us are enjoying the reign of the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you what. I got plambasted this morning. I don't know how else to say it. I just, I just got ripped in the spirit this morning. I, I haven't experienced that in, in, like in that intensity in, in quite a while. But God has been showing up intensely lately. And we should be a people that love his presence. We should be a people that love to enjoy his presence. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because I think that if we're not careful, Stephanie, this is good. Stephanie's painting. If we're not careful, we might be deceived into thinking he just shows up so that he can saturate us. And I'm going to make some sense of this in just a minute. I love what Doug said. I was like, Doug, you took my first point. And even, even Michelle in the prayer room this morning, she looked at me and she was like, you know, I think we need to be stewards of the presence of God. And I'm like, really? Why don't you just preach for me? Why don't you just preach for me? Doug from the pulpit. What does that mean? What does that mean when, when prophetic people, when we as a church, we're starting to hear the same thing? It means God is speaking to his church. It means God is speaking. Come on, you got to get a hold of that this morning. Listen, listen, God speaks to his people. We, we have this crazy notion that God is some far off God and, and, you know, he tries to exact his truth and his understanding to us by way of his prophets or this or the... Come on, we are his people. He speaks to us. And unfortunately, sometimes we excuse what he's saying because we just want to touch. And, and so, yes, we've been enjoying the rain. We've been enjoying the rain, which represents the presence of God. Have you ever stopped to ponder why? Why is he showing up like this? Why is he... I mean, I can barely stand here right now. I, can barely, I mean, I feel the heaviness of the rain of his spirit. It's like it's going to knock me off my feet right now. But why does he do that? Why does he show up like that? We have to ask these questions because if not, we might get satisfied with just getting touched in the presence of God. Do we gather? Why do we gather? Why do we come together? Do we gather to, an ex to experience an event? That's on my notes, Dougie. Do we gather in the church? Do we come together to experience an event? Or is it more than that? When we were praying in the prayer room this morning, God spoke audibly into my ear, and I don't have time to explain how that happens. He didn't show up in front of me, and it just, I heard it, you know, I heard it in my spirit. And he said these words, we are not to be a people in his presence, but a people of his presence. And there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference. He spoke that. I don't want you to be a people in my presence. I want you to be a people of my presence. See, you and I were to yield to an atmosphere. That's what's taking place here. When he shows up like that, when he breaks into the atmosphere, we are to yield ourselves to that atmosphere in order to offer ourselves to be carriers of that same atmosphere so that it's more than just an event. We don't come to church just to, to meet him in church or to experience his presence externally on us as it rains on us, but he's here to pour, to fill us up, to fill us up. We come into his presence so that we can become a 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, carrier of his glory. 
And we can't miss the purpose of his outpouring. We can't just do our old Christian thing and when he shows up at the altars, just glory in his presence and then leave the church thankful that he showed up. That's coming out for an event. That's coming out for an event. There's too many of us that are looking for events. Some of us are like ducks. Do you know that ducks love the rain? They love the rain. But ducks, have you ever heard that, that, um, that phrase like water off a duck's back? I'm afraid that some of us as Christians, that's, that's how we are like ducks splashing around in the water and we've got this repellent so that when the water hits us, we don't absorb it like a sponge, but instead it, it falls on us and then rolls off like water off a duck's back. And too many of us have been convinced, and I'm not saying we're doing it on purpose, but we've been convinced that it's just good enough to come in and experience an event where he shows up. And we're missing the truth. The truth is that he shows up to fill us up so that we can change the world. It's time for us to move from a people who encounter God to be a people who establish an atmosphere, to establish his presence in a world that needs to know who he is. He wants us to do more than encounter him, but yet establish his presence in the atmosphere of it. You know, it doesn't matter to me if you remember three points of my sermon. It really, really doesn't because... If you just hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning, he's already been speaking. I didn't even need to take this platform. He's speaking loud and clear. It's not about, here, uh, well, you know, let's take notes. and like, Forget about it. Forget about it. What he's saying to us in this place, in this hour, in this time, not even in the season, but in this time right now, he's saying to this church, you are not merely a container but a pot or a vessel of my glory. There's a difference between someone, uh, someone who contains the glory of God and a vessel who understands that when God pours out his glory on your life, you are to pour that glory out. You're to spill that glory over. There's too many Christians containing the glory of God and not recognizing that they're supposed to be broke wide open and spilling out. Isaiah 60, this is not my scripture, so you know, if you're writing it down, great. Isaiah 61 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light of the Lord has come, or I'm misquoting it somehow, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Why? So that you can enjoy it, so we can dance around in his presence? No. That's a benefit, and that's a crazy perk. A crazy perk. But that's not why he shows up, church. He shows up because we need him. We need him to fill us up. We need him to spill into our spirit. We need him to cause us to be bubbled up and, and, and broke open and spilling out. So, that brings me to my message. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. That helps me to prepare to release his message. And his word to this church this morning is that God uses cracked pots. How many cracked pots in the house? Good. Good. Because if we're too busy trying to be this perfect decorative vase, then what we're doing is drawing attention to the outside of us, our gifts, our abilities, our talents, instead of drawing attention to what's inside of us. Man, we need to yield to that atmosphere. 
of his presence. Yield to it. What happens is if we, do, if we don't, when we leave his presence, we can no longer foster it or carry it or host it, however you want to say. That's what happened to Saul. Remember Saul? Man, I'm all over the place. It's all right. Remember Saul? He came down off the mountain, had a great call, an anointing on his life, but he was all messed up. He didn't understand. He, he didn't give it, turn his ear toward heaven. He came down off the mountain. When he came into the company of prophets, he began to prophesy. But as soon as he walked out of the company of prophets, he couldn't prophesy for himself anymore. It's a lot like us in the church. We come into church on Sunday morning. We get all filled up with the Holy Ghost. We, we, we radiate his presence and then we walk out the door and we forget to carry him with us. Man, with Saul, Samuel had to pray for him. David had to worship for him. Let's not be like that, church. Let's not be like that. Amen? All right. Let's try to get this thing rolling. All right. Um, if you have your word, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians verses four, or chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You can stand if you want. Come on, Jesus. You are incredible, God. All right. Let's try to read this. It says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of his power may be of God and not of us. God, do your thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Come on, you remember? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. He's still saying that. He's speaking that over his church. He's speaking that over your families. Let there be light. Look, you might, you might be shrouded in darkness. You might be just surrounded in darkness. The world around you might be dark, but there is a light within you. And I come and I show up and I manifest my glory so that you can suck that glory up like a sponge and then walk out into the world and just squeeze yourself and release it. We have this treasure. Come on, church. The glory of God is a treasure. Do we know how incredible it is that the God of glory, the God of the universe, the God who spoke a word and hung the stars in the air and the planets, he shall, he comes. And he shows up in a way that we can understand. He comes and he blasts us. He comes by way of his glory and he, he lays hold of us. Sharabasa. He lays hold of who we are and he, and he just penetrates us and he leaves a deposit and then he waits to see if you'll release it so that he can come and show up and release some more. Come on. Is that an amazing God or what? Have we forgotten how incredible it is that we can have a face-to-face -face relationship with him? I think if we're honest, sometimes we do. We get casual about church. We get casual about worship. We get casual about our devotions. We get casual about the fact that he does come up, come and show up. 
Listen, I've been reminded of that in the past few weeks. And let me just, just in case anybody's feeling guilty up in here, he spoke that to me. I've learned not to get all caught up in guilt because it's just, it's a waste of time, really. It keeps me from understanding what he's trying to speak to me. But he spoke it to me. He said, don't be too casual about my presence. Don't underestimate what I can do. Don't underestimate what I can do in you. For we have this treasure, it's a treasure, in earthen vessels that the excellence of his power may be of God and not of us. Listen, it's not about you. It's not about your ability or your lack of ability. It's about the fact that we are able in him. Do you trust him this morning? Listen to this. Shabbat. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, earthen vessels, earthen vessels. This word, ostrakinos, I know you guys know I do word studies. Sorry if it bores you, but God always speaks to me when I do this. Ostrakinos, earthen vessels, plain earthenware that's naturally flawed. Well, let's sit on that for just a minute. We have this treasure in earthen vessels earthen vessels, plain, ordinary, nothing special, nothing fancy, naturally flawed vessels. That's what it means. The root word actually says it means that in the Strong's, look it up. So you know what that means for you and me? Great news. <laughs> we don't have to be perfect for him to use us. We don't have to be without mistake or error or, or flaws because God likes to use the vessels that have flaws. He fills flawed vessels to release and establish his light and powerful presence in a dark world. That's why he fills us up. He looks for vessels that are flawed, not for vessels that are polished and perfect. Because if, he, if the ones that are polished and perfect were the ones that he was going to use, none of us would be used in this place. None of us would be used. What happens when he uses someone polished and perfect? Usually that person is the one that gets the attention instead of him. That's why he loves to find the people that are all junked up and begin to pour out his spirit in their lives because nobody's going to be looking at them when God moves. Jesus. I wrote on my notes, he doesn't want decorative vessels that look good on the outside, but plain ones. So people are not looking at your abilities, your talents, or even your anointing. He wants plain, ordinary, flawed vessels. Glory to God. What a relief. What, I'm serious. What a relief. I read that and I was like, whew. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Count me in. Because I'm one of those. I'm one of those. All right. So we're talking about vessels this morning. Think about this with me for a minute pots and vessels in your kitchen. If, if your kitchen is like my kitchen, most of the time the pots are in the cupboard. Some of you will get that in a minute. Usually they're empty, full of dust, in the shelf. But a pot in the cabinet has little value. Sure, it, it, the value of it is, is you know, what you paid for it, but it, it's really not fulfilling its purpose while it's in the cabinet 
Think about this. Even a full pot on the stove is not serving its purpose completely. Only when a pot is emptied out of what it contains does it fulfill its purpose. Only when a pot, only when you're serving it up and taking it out, that's when, that's when a pot is serving its full purpose. And I, I know that's elementary, maybe for some of you that's the picture he gave me. It's like, you know, some of us need to start scooping it out. We need to get to that place where his purpose is being fulfilled in our life. He delights in using vessels that are imperfect. Imperfect vessels. Why? Well, we just read it. I'm going to open up to it again. Actually, I think I have it on a different translation here somewhere. Bear with me. <clears throat> I do. I have it out of the message. Listen to this. The scripture that we opened up with. It started when God said, light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Why does he want to use imperfect, flawed, um, natural, naturally flawed vessels? Because when, when, we, when he pours his supernatural power into a naturally flawed vessel, he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. He is seen as perfect in our imperfection. We know that the scriptures say that, right? The scriptures say that in our weakness. Ah, let me read to you another scripture. I don't know if I even have it on my... I don't know if I have... I might have it on my notes. I don't know. I have a bunch of notes that I pulled together this morning. Listen to this out of 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. It says, take a good look, friends. Oh my gosh, you got to hear this. This is out of the message as well. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks, exploits, and abuses? He chose the nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. <laughs> I love that. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get, get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, and a fresh start, it all comes from God. You need to get the message Bible. I'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. So imperfect vessels, he pours out his light. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let your light so shine before men. All these... He pours out his light, his glory, his light. He pours it, he just, you know, he comes and he just deposits it. Yeah, that's my sound effects. In there. He's like, open up. Let me get it in there. So you can spill it out. So we get to the point where, you know, we, we, we wonder, you know, I love it because I'm, I'm amongst a bunch of crackpots. Bunch of people that God said, 
from the very beginning, take the mud. Take the mud, form the man. And be formed out of the mud, just little earthen vessel. And from the very beginning of time, he's, he hoped and he purposed that we would choose to break ourselves wide open. That we would choose to rip away the flesh, the earthen vessel. You guys hearing that this morning? That earthen vessel representing our humanity, representing our ability, representing our flesh. That we would choose by choice just to rip it wide open and let him fill us up. And show his, his perfection through our imperfection. A cracked pot. A cracked pot reveals the light that's inside. A pot that's closed, with, has a light inside, you're not going to see it. But a pot that's cracked, the light, you're going to see it. Broken earthenware means our, it's, our, it's our humanity. You know that we were created to leak? We were created, a leak isn't an imperfection where we're concerned. If we're leaving, maybe in the pipes at home and in the plumbing and below the sink, whatever, that's an imperfection. That's a flaw. That's an annoyance. But you and I were created to leak. When he pours us up, the cracks are there. The, the imperfections are there so that he can leak out through us. So the focus is not on the jar, but on the treasure within. It's what spills out. It's what spills out that lights up the darkness and confuses the enemy so much that he destroys himself. That's why he's showing up at these altars. That's why he pours out his spirit in our meetings and on our campuses. And not so that any man can get the glory, but so that people can be filled up. They can be vessels, not containers, not holding on to his presence, but vessels with spouts and broken, broken handles and, and cracks in the feet and whatever it is to where the, the light of the living God is pouring out over humanity and over the darkness that surrounds us. We can't be too casual about that. All right, if you can, just turn over with me, and I'm going to wrap it up in just a couple minutes here. We're going to get, we're going to get blasted at the altars. How's that? Okay, so you guys know the story in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, Gideon. We know the story. Mighty man of valor. Doesn't believe it. God speaks to him, still having a hard time believing it. God speaks to him again, still having a hard time. God, can you help me out? Can you show me? He lays a fleece before the Lord. You guys know the story, the fleece before the Lord. God proves him. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you, Gideon. I'm with you. Uh, still doesn't believe him, still having a hard time believing that he's really this mighty man of valor. After a few fleeces, he finally gets it. Wow. I got, a, I got an army of 32,000 men. God has established me. God has raised me up. God has given me purpose. God has given me the strength and the might to overcome the enemy. And then what happens? Get rid of the army. 5,000, 10,000. Get rid of them. Send them home. Send them home, Gideon. He whittles that, God whittles that army down from 32,000 men to 300. To say to Gideon, don't forget whose power you're working by. Don't forget whose power. I'm going to show you how I work, Gideon. I'm going to show you how I work. You were imperfect when I called you. You're still imperfect, but I will fill you up. And I will use you to destroy the works of darkness. I will use you to overcome the enemy. If you will allow yourself to be open up, if you will allow yourself to be broken, then the light of my nature... The virtue of who I am, my character, my power, 
My anointing will spill out of your life and it will change people. It will change cities. It will change people groups. It will, it will overturn laws. It, it will heal people. So Gideon's finally convinced here, and I know it's not on the notes, Ed, sorry. Finally convinced of who he is, only to be taught that in all of his might, he still needed God to break in. In order to defeat the enemy and establish an atmosphere of God's presence. So I don't even know where I'm going. I think it's Judges 7. Ah, it would probably help if I was in Judges and not Joshua. Here we go. All right, um, Judges chapter 7, I'm going to read real quick here because I want you to get this picture. So um, they're surrounded by this incredible army. Uh, Gideon is down to 300 men. Uh, and, and verse 12, now the Midianites and the Amalekites, uh, Judges 7, verse 12. The Midianites and the Amalekites, bad dudes, okay? Like bad warriors. Bad as in 1980s bad, you know? Like sick, whatever it is now. But bad dudes, Midianites and the Amalekites. All the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley came. Barley bread tumbled into the camp of the Midian and it came to the tent and it struck it so hard that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, tell me that God doesn't speak prophetically. Sorry, little, little sidebar there. Okay, what does a loaf of bread have to do with about what's about to happen here? Then his companion answered and said, There is nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the son of Joash, a man of, is, uh, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered the Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men. Okay, there's a, an army that, as, as vast as the sand on the seashore, and there's 300 men. He divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand. Come on, how many of you know the trumpet? Trumpet represents praise. Put a trumpet into every man's hand. And then gave them empty pitchers and torches and, and, and torches inside the pitchers. Inside the pitchers. If you read some of the commentaries, you'll recognize that they were, they were commanded to put the light inside the pitchers so that it couldn't be shown for a moment. And he said to them, look at me. And do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you will also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and, and of Gideon. Now, how many of you know that they weren't the sword of the Lord and Gideon? There was a purpose in what they were going to do. It was let out a shout. We're going to confuse the enemy. So when I blow that trumpet, it means shout to the Lord. The sword of the Lord. All around the camp. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men who were with him at the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke pitcher, the pitchers, broke the pitchers, broke the pitchers that were in their hand. 
Then the three companies blew the trumpets and blow the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Look at, there's commentaries that say they turned their swords against themselves. They were so confused by what had showed up around them. And the faith that arised in these men it had to have taken crazy faith to follow Gideon's lead in this. This was, this was crazy. 300 men and an entire camp of, of crazy warriors. But God came and he poured out his spirit in these 300 men. And he said, watch what I will do if you will allow me to break you wide open. Do you see the connection, church? And it's not just me that connected it. Commentaries connect it too. God is looking for vessels that are willing to be broken open. Vessels that are willing to say, not, not trying to hide their imperfections by painting on the glaze and the paint, trying to make themselves look all, you know, all nice and good. And on the outside, what will people think if they knew about this? What will people think? You know what? We got to give all that up and recognize that it's in our imperfections. That's keeping you from the glory of God. It's keeping you from being a vessel that keeps you in the container mode. We've got to get it, church. We have got to get this. The church for years has been satisfied to come to church for an event. God is not an event. I Facebooked this morning. You should come to church to see if God will happen to you. Not if he will touch you or what he will do to you, but maybe he should happen to you. You and I are called to be broken pitchers, Doug. Team, crack pots. Crack pots. There's a torch inside every single one of you. And I could see the Holy Spirit with a little pick chipping away at the outside. Just, just trying to see where you're going to crack and you can pop a little piece out. And you're like, whoo, okay, yeah, I'm imperfect. But whew, there's the glory of the Lord. Let his, let his glory come out. We're, too, we're so busy trying to be perfect that we forgot that it's in our imperfection that his perfection is shown. He fills broken people so that he can demonstrate his power. He can demonstrate his power. He fills you and I in our imperfection so he can demonstrate who he is. We don't come to gather so that he can pour out his spirit so we can go home and testify about an event that took place at church. We come into his temple as brothers and sisters pulling on a corporate anointing from heaven saying, God, we want your power. We want your presence. We want to be a people of your presence, not just in your presence. Would you come and fill us up? He fills broken people with his power. I read it earlier out of the message, but I do have it on my notes out of the, out of the New King James. It says this, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. <laughs> to put shame to the wise. How many fools for Jesus in the house today? Really, church? Really? Come on. I, I know I said that lightly, but really? Are you a fool for Jesus? Or are we too concerned with what people might think about who we are? To be foolish God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put, sh put to, to shame the wise God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty 
So listen. I don't know where you've been in your life and to be honest with you, it doesn't make any difference to me. If you have invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, not just Savior of your soul, but Lord of your life, there's a difference. Then you have a right as a child of God to lay claim to everything that he's accomplished on your behalf. I believe that God is taking us from a place where we understand who we are as servants to understanding who we are as sons and daughters. What's the difference, you might say? Servants get to enjoy what's in the master's house. When the master says, mm, yeah, you can have this because you served well, or, you know, if you do this, I'll pay you that. Some of us think about God like that. We think, oh, only if I do this will God use me. Only if I do this will God show up in my life. And yeah, there's disciplines that God's, God requires of us, but I want you to get this this morning. As sons and as daughters, we have an inheritance. Are you squandering that inheritance today? See, an inheritance is given to a son and to a daughter, not because they've earned it, or performed for it, but because they're a son and a daughter. We have an inheritance and it's amazing and it's powerful and it's fun and it's and it's holy and it's pure and it's it's incredible and it's and it's arresting and it's astounding and and we need to use it. We need to use it. So where you were yesterday, what you did this morning that, that you might think is a failure, you need to put that behind you. And you need to stand to your feet right now. Come on, church, stand to your feet with me. You shouldn't have to be invited. Look, some of you are thinking about lunch right now. Forget about it. See, if you want to worship, I want you to start to worship. If you want to step out of your seat, as a matter of fact, I know that there's some of you that are fire starters in this place. Get out of your seat and come to the altar. You know who you are. Those of you that want to be a fire starter, get out of your seat and come to this altar. And let's invite God to move upon us. And let's expect to be like a sponge and not a duck. Let's be a people that say, God, I want to... I want to suck up your spirit. I want to absorb who you are. I want to absorb you so that when I leave this place, I'm not just talking about what you did at the altars, but I'm squeezing and releasing what you've done. I recognize what I'm called to do. Look, you are called to release him. You are called to release him, not just enjoy him. If you're not releasing him and you're only enjoying him, then you're missing what he's called you to do. Do you have a business? Don't invite him into your business. Invite him to release his presence through you to the people.